I'm glad to report to you this morning that spring is almost here. Over the years, 30 plus years, I've been able to recognize the signs of spring. One of them is uh, when you go to town, down there about Sladen Plumbing, there's a dip in the road because it thaws out in spring and, and you'll bounce down there and that's a sure sign that spring is just around the corner. Uh, another is uh, the old, the geese start honking, they come in. We used to have a contest over at Creamery's Field about goose watching and the, the mayor of Fairbanks sang this little song about goose watching. But uh, now it is <coughs> people are absent from our church for a couple of weeks and they come back and their complexion's all darkened. <laughs> when Caleb got back, he'd come to get his dog. Uh, we was taking care of it for a while when the Dimros weren't taking care of it and, and old Bucky almost tore into it because he didn't recognize who he was. But uh, that's, take consolation, spring's on its way can't say that it made all of you look better to be darker skinned, but <laughs> some people look like raccoons. Casey definitely always looks good, and sitting next to Nate, she looks spectacular. <laughs> all right. In Matthew chapter 28, in the last few verses, we have what's called the Great Commission. And part of that Great Commission, we have baptizing. And uh, we've been going through some lessons on marks of scriptural churches. And uh, baptism is what we're going to look at today. But it says, <coughs> the Lord speaking to the 12, which were leaders in the church that he established. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And that word teach there has a sense of making disciples, people being saved baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so we're going, to, we're going to do this a little different this morning. It may be a disaster that we'll find out. Uh, hopefully not. If Baptists should know anything, they should know something about baptism. And so, this morning, uh, I propose to you that uh, you're at work, or your neighbor is talking to you across the fence, or somehow you come in contact with a person, and uh, they understand that you go to a Plaquemine Baptist Church, and they say, well, that's interesting, I've been really thinking about that for a while, and uh, I want to come, I want to come to your church, I want to come and be baptized. What do you tell them? Where do you begin? What are you going to say? What's necessary for baptism? What's baptism all about? And so, you can volunteer. Or I can draft you this morning by calling on you. 
What are you going to tell someone who says, I've, I've been thinking about getting baptized for a long time. Like one time we were in prison and this guy told us that they were going to be baptized that uh, week. Uh, one of the other religious denominations were going to baptize him. And he said, uh, I've been baptized five times. I hope this time it sticks. The way to make baptism stick is that just hold them under the water. <laughs> All right. So where would we begin? This guy says, I want to I come to your church and be baptized. Where do we begin? Your eyes are looking at Huh? Okay. You need to talk to him about salvation? Uh, okay. Why is that? If you're in the last part of, in the last part of this uh, um, little lesson, um, if you look, if you look down in underneath the Methodist on the very bottom, the very uh, where it said "made a child of God," the Methodists teach by baptism, we who were by nature children of wrath are made children of God. And you're saying that salvation is equated to being a child of God. You're telling me that uh, you're telling me that you you need to find out if they're saved. But John Wesley said that no. It's it's one it's it's a means to be saved. What 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 is there a verse that you can point out to me? And you can look in your notes here. There's some verses in there, but uh, <coughs> you're first you're saying that one of the requirements for baptism is salvation. Well, where does it say that? If we're going to be Baptists and be biblical then we need to have a verse for it. Huh? Okay, in, the, in, okay in, this, in this, the word teach, we've uh, said there, it means to make disciples, and so teach precedes that. Make disciples precedes the baptizing. Any other place? Okay, John the Baptist, when they were coming to him for baptism, he wanted to have evidence of fruits for repentance before he baptized them. Any others? Okay. Look, Luke chapter, or Romans, uh, Acts chapter 8. I'll get the book for you quick. Is that Acts 8? Uh, what is it? Okay, um, Philip, in 826, Philip is going down to Gaza, and he arose and went, in verse 27, behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and saying in the chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, then the Spirit said unto him, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And, chariot. and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which we had read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. 
and a lamb before the shears, uh, and a lamb dumb before his shears, so open he not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment is taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from him, from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest thou the prophet, this of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached on him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, Here, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So we know that Philip talked a lot more than just about Christ, but he talked about baptism. And he said, How, What's going to stop me from being baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I think uh, in Acts, uh, back up a little further here in Acts 8, and in verse 12, one of the verses that's in your lesson, and when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. And so belief preceded baptism. Look over in... Uh, Acts chapter 2, and uh, verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so we, one, of the, one of the qualifications for baptism to be after the pattern of the scriptures, which we would say would be biblical, uh, Bible-based, is that it, 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 it follows salvation. Now, the second, another one, why, um, why then, um, well, let's see. Yeah, what is okay, so let's go there. Okay, so why? <laughs> so uh, you, 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 uh, you, you have this friend, and you're convinced, you're convinced that they're saved. They're not Baptists. They're looking for a good church, and they want to join your church. They have a good testimony of salvation. You don't have to be a Baptist to get saved. Salvation is in the Lord. And they say, you know, I'm thinking about joining your church. And you said, well, if, if you do, you have to be baptized. And Chris asked, why? Group of fine group of Baptists here. Okay, so we're talking about purpose. We're asking why. And you say that one of the purpose is uh, identification.
Okay, so you're saying they the guy received the word, were baptized, and they were added, baptized, and it was added unto them. At that time, there was like 3,000 souls saved. So uh, them, added unto them, would be the church. And so the purpose, well, you're saying the purpose is one is identification. Let's, and then the second, the second purpose is church membership. Okay, so let's go back here to identification. What are we talking about? And where do we find the scripture that says through being baptized, you're identified with Christ? All right, let's go over to Romans 6. Sure quiet in here this morning. I guess my, my hearing aids aren't cranked up enough. Romans chapter 6. He's making a case for being separated and and saying that we're identified with him. Let's, let's begin there in verse 3. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ, and this word into has an has a understanding of in reference to, and, it, and you'll see the, the, that the whole context supports that. Know you not that as so many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized in reference to his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And you see that word like as, implying that baptism is a likeness. And just as Christ rose from the grave and walked with a resurrected body, we should also walk a different life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness, planted, when you plant a seed, you stick it in the ground, and you cover it up, and it grows. And it's saying that baptism is a likeness. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And so, uh, if you drop on down to verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. And so, it's telling us that, that baptism is a likeness. My skinny guy goes into the water, as Daniel did the other night, and he's he's immersed into the water, covered, likeness of a burial, and he rose out of the water. And so actually, when we had the baptism the other night, it was like, uh, like a, 
a mini play. It was an illustration, and, and it illustrated really a couple of things. When, when Daniel went down into the water, he was buried, and when he came up out of the water, uh, it's like a resurrection. And so Daniel was picturing that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and he rose again. But it also pictured something that happened in Daniel's life. That D Daniel, before being saved, was walking just as anybody. But, <clears throat> but when he got saved, his sins were buried in the deepest sea. He, he's planted in the likeness of Christ's death and the, what Christ paid for. And he rose to walk in newness of life. That he, it pictures that he's been a changed person. That the baptism didn't do it, but the baptism pictured it. And I don't know any of you who knew Daniel when he would show up here from time to time uh, before he started showing up here on a regular basis and, uh, and the Lord had done something in his life, that Daniel has been changed to walk in newness of life, as all of us that have been born again. And so baptism is a picture. And, uh, and uh, it's uh, the purpose has to be correct. What would be a wrong purpose of baptism? Do what? Yeah, it, it doesn't wash away sins. Baptism uh, doesn't bring any saving qualities at all. That, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, not know yourselves, not of works, as any man should boast. That baptism is only a picture. And uh, it accomplishes two things. You can't read my writing back there anyway. I might as well quit doing it. It's just for me, I think. But uh, church membership and identification with Christ. Okay, so uh, you're talking to this uh, friend of yours, and and you're telling her uh, about uh, baptism, and uh, and in the conversation, you tell them, you know, whenever you come, here's here's the process. You come. We have a tank full of water, and you're going to have to have a change of clothes, and, and you're going to have to have a towel or two. And, and you say, well, why can't I be sprinkled? I saw on the movie of Christ that John the Baptist brought people down into the Jordan River. He took a pitcher, and he got water in the pitcher, and he poured it on their head, them standing in the middle of the Jordan River. Why can't, why can't we just do that? I mean, uh, Hollywood is pretty stupid, but why would anybody walk a person down into the middle of the Jordan River and then pour water on their head? Why can't I just be sprinkled when, uh, when, uh, when my cousin was placed at the Catholic Church, they just brought her before the priest and he sprinkled water on her and baptized her. One of the things about here is that uh, this this eliminates babies, doesn't it? Okay, so why not sprinkling? Do you know that you know do you know that when there was two two really sections of the 
Catholic Church, there was the, the Greek Orthodox side that became Greek Orthodox through Constantinople. When the power of Rome changed from Rome to Constantinople at one point, that Greek Orthodox religion uh, became powerful there, and Roman Catholic became powerful in, in uh, Rome. But they both have the same roots at the beginning. But the Roman Catholics would sprinkle, but the Greek Orthodox immersed their babies. Why is that? Yes, the, the Greek word translated baptism is to immerse. So that's good and well and good, but um, why do Baptists, I mean, it would be so much easier, why do Baptists insist upon immersion? Absolutely, because if, it, if, if in Romans chapter 6, if we're buried with him in baptism, it's like, <coughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I just got uh, our two old dogs we had to put down. We, I got, uh, Susie got another little dog, and uh, it's her dog, but it really comes to me, so it's my dog. But, <laughs> but let's say that that little dog dies. And Harry's the closest to me. I run down to his place and say, Harry, you know, my little dog died. I'm so emotional about this. Can you take him out in the backyard and bury, bury him for him? He said, sure, I'll take care of it. And so a couple of days later, I noticed something smelling out there. And so I poke around, go out there, and, and here's my little dog. And he, gets, he has a, a couple of handfuls of dirt sprinkled on top of him. But he's not buried at all. Well, sprinkling cannot picture burial. And so, so the, another, another important thing about baptism is, is the mode, is, is the way in which it's done. And that is immersion. And uh, immersion pictures a burial. All right, and so the fourth one, if we're, we're talking about four qualifications, uh, the fourth qualification is authority, scriptural authority. And we find that in, in, uh, in our opening scripture where uh, he's speaking to the leaven, Judas being gone. We know from 1 Corinthians that the Lord set first in the church apostles that these men that he's talking to are leaders in his church and that this commission was not given to individuals, 
because they couldn't go into all the world at the same time, be planting churches and discipling people. It wasn't given just to the apostles because when he says, Lord, I'm with you always into the end of the age, apostles aren't here today. They're no longer around. So they can't just be speaking to the 11, and the, but it had to be speaking to an institution which the Lord said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that authority is given to um, a New Testament church. And as we go on in this, as we go on in these lessons, we're going to talk about uh, alien baptism. Maybe you've heard that term. And, and uh, like in this, uh, we'll, we might note some of these, but let's say we've talked about uh, sprinkling. This person comes to our church. They give a good testimony of salvation. And we say, well, have you been Scripturally baptized. Yeah, I was, I was sprinkled in the Catholic Church. Well, are we going to receive them into our membership upon the sprinkling of the Methodist Church? Well, you see what happens is that when we receive members from churches that deviate doctrinally, you are sanctioning their doctrine. You're agreeing with it, basically. And so we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that, but uh, authority, it's important. Uh, remember, Jesus, Jesus walked like, uh, I think it was, Jesus walked 60 miles to go down to where John the Baptist was baptizing so he could be baptized of John the Baptist. Well, where did John get his authority? The Bible says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist, and, and he was sent with authority to baptize. And then you look at the first chapters of the Gospels, and it said that John baptized, but John said, I must decrease and he must increase, and then you find the apostles baptizing, and Jesus not uh, baptizing, but the apostles, and, and then that, those apostles becoming part of the great uh, commission. And so, um, it seemed like there's some other place I wanted to go, but I want you uh, to turn to the last page there, and I think we'll read some stuff that's kind of shocking to you, because... Normally, we think that uh, we think that well, if they're church people, then they must be sound. Uh, but on the back pages there, where the title is "Baptist and Protestant Teaching on Baptism," now we we went through some of this others very quickly. I didn't. I just would. Uh, I just would uh, encourage you to read that. One other thing, there are there are some Baptists that are fairly sound, <laughs> except in this one area, and that is they think that there's five requirements for scriptural baptism: salvation, to do it for the right purpose, to do it in the right way, to do it with the right authority, 
But they also said there has to be the right, the right person baptizing you. Um, we just got through a whole number of lessons talking about authority, didn't we? And that authority lies with God. He's the ultimate authority. But, it, but when it comes to spiritual things, this great commission, he's speaking to the local church. And, that, and we talked about, you know, the role of the pastor in that and the, and the need to try to seek the Holy Spirit's uh, leadership and finding a new pastor or different things. But there is a group of people who are a Baptist of uh, more of our stripe than Southern Baptists, surely. But they say that you have to have the right person to do the baptizing. And that is, it can't be, uh, not legal, but it can't be, that's a good term, baptism. It can't be correct baptism unless an ordained minister does the baptizing. But we've looked over and over in, in these last lessons that authority lies within the church. And most, most of the time, the pastor does the baptizing. But it's the church he talks to. Now, let me tell you how far, that, how far wacko that goes. One of, these, one of the ministers of that uh, group, he said, uh, I said, well, what do you do if somebody gets saved in your church and the preacher dies? You just wait, you don't baptize them? He said, well, I think what I do, what we need to do, we need to go back to the church that we came out of and ask their pastor to come down and do the baptizing. No, listen, when we started out these lessons on authority, we said that Baptist churches are autonomous. They function on their own. And so you may hear that, that it has to be the right person, uh, <laughs> but that suggestion to go back to the home church and get that authority from that's what lies with the pastor. If you, do, if you run that dog out, you're going to have pastoral rule. And the authority, to the authority to do the work of the Lord is invested in his church. That's why it's important for a church to make sure that sound doctrine, that, that things are doing, that being done in a proper way. Now, now, let's just look at this. I think you're going to be surprised. At, and, and if you really study it out, you're going to find that every Protestant church links baptism to salvation. Now, what do I mean by Protestant church? Well, the word Protestant really came from the movement of Martin Luther, of uh, uh, John Knox, Presbyterian, people who in the 1500s could see that the Catholic Church had went so far into works for salvation and that salvation is, is, wasn't by grace through faith that they split off 
from the Catholic Church. Uh, Martin Luther tapped, you know, made this 95 thesis and uh, uh, things, 95 points, and he nailed it on the church door, and the Catholics, you know, this this church him and and the Catholic Church was started, but uh, every every so from the Catholic Church came Protestants. They protested against the Catholic Church. The Protestants, but if you're interested, I mean, uh, and some of you know this, but we have uh, some little books in here called the, the Trail of Blood. But it very clearly points out that Baptists were never Protestants, and and that. Uh, Methodists and even Catholics uh, would give, historians give testimony that there's always been a group of people in the world from the days of Christ that believe what Baptists believe. They never protested against the Catholic Church because they never were members or a part or, or a daughter or, or an offshoot from the Catholic Church. And in fact, uh, the Catholic Church had to come from Baptist who went haywire. So, uh, so what I'm saying is that maybe maybe an exception would be Presbyterian, but uh, Protestant churches link salvation to baptism. And let's let's, let's note some of these. Uh, the the Catholics, Lutheran, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Methodists all sprinkle infants. And all believe in some form of baptismal regeneration. What do we mean there? Baptismal regeneration. Well, when we're saved, we're regenerated. And baptism has something to do with regeneration. All other Protestant denominations are either branches off of the Roman Catholic Church or one of the above Protestant denominations and or accept baptisms of them. Baptists are not Protestants, but have existed in every century since the first century. They have existed under different names such as Christians, Montanists, Dauntonists, Paulicians, Waldenses, Anabaptists, and Baptists. And that word Anabaptist means rebaptizers. And really the Baptist name we have today is not something that true Baptists have chosen, but it was a, it was a designation that was kind of a mockery. Oh, those are those old rebaptizers. Those are, the, those are Baptists, the Anabaptists, rebaptizers. And it wasn't really a uh, flattering word, but it's a, it's a name of honor. And uh, some people say, well, after all, we came from John the Baptist. But uh, whether you, want, you know, that's true, but it's our doctrine and not our, the name that matters. Okay, uh, Episcopal Catechism says this, when they baptize. This is full in initiation by water and the Holy Spirit into Christ's body, the church. And so uh, they believe that when the body of Christ is the family of God, we believe. Uh, uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a water that initiates that. God establishes an indissoluble bond with each person in baptism, God adopts us. <laughs> Galatians says that we're adopted by faith, and Romans says God adopts us, making us members of the church and inheritors of the kingdom of God. 
John 3.3 3 says, if we're not saved, we're not, in, we're, not, we're not in the kingdom of God. And so baptism puts you in the kingdom of God. In baptism, we are made shares in the new life of the Holy Spirit. Well, life in Christ comes from salvation and forgiveness of sins. That baptism not only gives you the Holy Spirit that dwells you as a Christian, but it initiates the forgiveness of sins. Baptism is the foundation for all future church participation and ministry. Well, it sounds like works to me. Methodist. For Wesley, baptism clears the, the, clears the guilt of original sin. What does that mean? Well, like David said, in sin my mother conceived me in Psalms 51, that we come into this world sinners by nature. By one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon men for all sin, Romans 5, 8, that we're sinners because we're descended from Adam. We have the sin nature. But Wesley said here that when we sprinkle a baby, that old sinful nature isn't there. So if you, if you parents want to get your kids, your little babies, if you want to stop them from crying, and you go check their diaper, and it, it's changed, you, uh, you try to feed them, and they're full, and you realize they're only crying because they want you to pick them up. It's a little sin nature that's in them. And so if you want to eliminate that, just take them and baptize them. <laughs> Harry's got a bunch of kids. Surely he should get in on this. <laughs> the only way to do that would just these uh, practice immersion and hold them down. So this old idea about eliminating the old sinful nature uh, not only is it not biblical, but it's sure not practical. Baptism clears the guilt of original sin, a doctrine Wesley believed wholeheartedly and which asserts that every person comes into the world in a state of brokenness and guilt. No one starts off in a right relationship with God. Baptism deals with that handicap and paves the way for future workings of grace. They said, and the Methodists say, baptism brings us into a covenant with God, whether infant or adult. Baptism marks a person's interest in the new covenant and God's everlasting commitment. Wesley says to be their God as he promised to Abraham in the evangelical covenant which he made with him and all his spiritual offspring. Wesley here sees baptism as analogous to circumcision and that is a covenant sign, but also surpassing circumcision as a sign of the, of the realized new covenant. And a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, are Protestants believe that baptism is the same as circumcision. And that circumcision puts you into a covenant with God that you can be blessed through Abraham. But uh, uh, in 
New Testament, we forego circumcision, and baptism does that. Um, let's drop down to uh, what is the Catholic's understanding of baptism. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, water baptism is the first sacrament that gives access to the other required sacraments. And so I don't know what the, all the sacraments are, um, baptism, sprinkling, communion, different things. And, we, and when, you, when you see the word sacrament, it means saving aspects, saving qualities. And so baptism has a saving aspect about it. There's also the fact that it, it, it is also the act that forgives sins, grants spiritual rebirth, and makes one a member of the church. The Catholic Church also believes that Jesus requires one baptism in order to receive eternal life. Let's, drop, let's go over to the Church of uh, God. Notice in the instruction Peter gave to thousands of people who asked what they should do in order that they should incur in receive eternal life. And he first said, repent. And the second was to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so let's go. Let's go over there. We'll, we'll end up here probably. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Peter had preached there on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 37, at the end of the preaching, the Bible says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, they're under conviction, and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so there you have it. All of this that we've just been talking about is wiped out in one verse. Acts 2.38. Lots of Church of Christ people in Tennessee. And if you travel through Tennessee, years ago I was traveling from Texas to Virginia, and I looked at Tennessee and I thought, oh, that'll probably take me about half a day to get through there. It only takes about a quarter of a day to get through if you're going north and south. So if you're going east and west in, in Tennessee, it'll take you all day long to get through there. They're all constantly on, on uh, trees where nailed the sign, uh, <coughs> repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, over and over and over and over. And here, in this verse in Acts 2.38, it's very plain. He says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Remission means forgiveness. And so, if you believe the Bible, 
You're going to have to be baptized to get saved. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Well, what are we going to do with that? Well, we're all going to take the sign down and become the Church of Christ. Now, the key is the word for. So repent in order to repent and be baptized in order to receive remission. Or it could be repent and be baptized because of remission. That that when we go visit prison, when we used to have a prison ministry, some people were in there imprisoned for stealing. For stealing. Because of stealing. But they weren't sent to prison in order to steal. And so, just read, it's English, just read it and understand. You understand what I'm saying? If It's either, for can either mean because of or in order to. People are not sent to prison for, in order to, become robbers. People are sent to prison because they're robbers. We're baptized because our sins have been forgiven. And we do what Brother Girth talked about in Romans 6, that we might picture Christ buried. We've been planted together in the likeness of his death. We should be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. That baptism is a picture and has nothing to do with our salvation. Now, that's a unique position in the world of Protestants. They don't believe that. And so Baptists stand out in that area. There are some church, there are some church, um, Bible churches that believe and uh, baptism follows salvation. But this is uh, Baptist doctrine. And I would submit to you that those churches who are not Baptists and have the doctrine correct on baptism, uh, they got it from a Baptist. <laughs> There's no way to put it about it. All right? You're just looking at me. You all got a C grade on this little test here today. <laughs> You're dismissed.